other joy is turned into mourning or crying or weeping. No more joy. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And the, the name of this program is Bible Discovery TV. And we are studying a funeral dirge or a funeral song written by Jeremiah the prophet, Lamentations chapter 5. This is absolutely amazing as we begin to explore what God is saying to us. Corey is also here. Corey, what's going on? Today, I'm going to be taking a look at ancient mourning rituals, specifically ones that are mentioned in the Bible. Ryan? Today, I'm going to be giving a brief introduction to the book of Lamentations from our Quick Study Bible. Excellent. Very good. Janice, what did you do? My segment is Come Back Home. All right. Very good. So take your Bible out. This is the most important book of all. And you probably haven't read it in a while. Most people haven't. But those who have, take your Bible out. Let's open it up. Let's listen to what God is saying. Take the Bible guide and let's read the funeral lamentation. Lamentations 5, verses 10 through 22. Our skin is hot as an oven because of the fever of famine. They ravished the women in Zion, the maidens in the cities of Judah. Princes were hung up by their hands, and elders were not respected. Young men ground at the millstones, boys staggered under loads of wood. The elders have ceased gathering at the gate, and the young men from their music. The joy of our heart has ceased. Our dance has turned into mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our heart is faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. Because of Mount Zion, which is desolate, with foxes walking about on it, you, O Lord, remain forever. Your throne from generation to generation. Why do you forget us forever and forsake us for so long a time? Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are very angry with us. Lamentations chapter 5, verses 10 through 22. Well, on this Monday, Lamentations chapter 4 and 5, that's what we read. We continue to go through the Bible. And uh, let me say that we're going to focus on restoration in the book of Lamentations, which is interesting. But we're going to focus on this because God is speaking today. And uh, Jeremiah's last words in the book of Lamentations, he cries for a lot of things. In fact, the last chapter of Lamentations is fascinating. Jeremiah comes to the Lord in earnest prayer of restoration. In his request of God, he raises a question about God's motives and character. He says, turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are very angry with us. Lamentations chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. 
This is the conclusion of the book of Lamentations. The last words written down for us to read of the weeping prophet's thoughts. Now, Jeremiah's question remains, does God utterly reject us? Does he leave us to die in our own mess? Well, the answer to that question definitely came about 500 years later, when Jesus Christ emerged on the scene, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah. God's son was prophesied by Isaiah and even mentioned back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It says this, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. That, that, that's amazing. I mean, the third chapter of the Bible and God is already prophesying? Yes, in fact, it's true. I, I need to say that this is an important time to understand what God has done. He has punished Judah and destroyed Judah with Babylon. For 70 years, it'll be dark. Then God will restore somewhat. And we have Ezra, we have Nehemiah, we have all that happening. But in between that time, of course, we have Daniel and we have Esther. But it's important to remember that when Jesus Christ emerges on the scene, it's very interesting. Remember what the angel said to Mary? He talks to Mary and the angel says, well, you know, God has come to you. And she says, well, I'm, I'm not married. How can, he, how can I be pregnant? And he said, the Holy Spirit has sired the child. And she says, how can that be? And the angel says to her, with God, all things are possible. Now that, that's a stunning statement, but we need to remember that because with God, all things are possible. So as we focus on this restoration from Lamentations 5, 10 to 22, let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, we're going to pray and ask the Lord, ask you, Lord, to help us as we read the last chapters of Jeremiah. It's really interesting. The, the prophet was called the weeping prophet because he really didn't, he didn't see everything. So when we get to heaven, Lord, I want to talk to him. But Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you would help us to see what Jesus Christ did for us. You know, many people think we're living in the Old Testament times. We are not. We're living in the time of Jesus Christ, and he has made this time of grace for us now. So help us, Lord, to hear what you're saying. In Jesus' wonderful name, and we all said together, amen, or make it so. Now, uh, as we understand this, get to your Bible guide and turn to your Bible. The Bible is the most important book of all. But if you don't have a Bible guide, call us or write to us, and we'll send you one. Otherwise, go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. It'll take you to donate page. Thank you. For your donations right now, it's very important. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for touching the partners and be with them. But uh, it'll also take you to a page you can download it as we have printed it. So it's very exciting. You're seconds away from joining us. We're going to look at this, Lamentations 5, beginning with verse 10. It says, Our skin is hot as an oven because of the fever of famine. They ravaged the women in Zion the maidens in the cities of Judah. Princes were hung up by their hands and elders were not respected. Young men ground at the millstone. Boys staggered under the loads of wood. 
The elders have ceased gathering at the gate, and the young men from their music. The joy of their heart was ceased, and our dance has turned into mourning. Remember, the joy was turned into mourning. Joy is not just a feeling. It's not just how we feel. It is a condition of our heart. Beloved, listen carefully. Joy is not what we feel. It's a condition of our heart. And I am joyful. Somebody said to me, why are you always happy about everything? Because I am. I know that whatever happens in my life, I may have pain. I may have all kinds of things happen. But I know at the end of my life, I will finally see the Lord Jesus Christ as I have never seen him before. Wouldn't that be great? If you're a Christian, that's what you have to look forward to. Isn't that something? That's what Paul said when he talked about death. So we need to keep that in our mind and our heart. We have to understand that we are advancing every day. We're not rejecting and going down. We're advancing. Our spirit will be with God. We'll get a new body. That'll be interesting. We'll study that when we get to the New Testament. Let's go back to the scripture. Chapter 5, verse 16. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our heart is faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. Because of the Mount Zion, which is desolate, with foxes walking about on it. You know, Jeremiah is saying all the obvious things one way or another. Sin is the one problem we must all deal with. Sin, S-I-N. Those who are born again have new life. See John, 1 John 5, 11, 12, and 13. I got to tell you this. I got to quote it again. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And that life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. Isn't that great? In the midst of lamentation, we're seeing this. All right, he continues his depression. Let's go forward. Lamentations 5, 19 to 22. You, O Lord, remain forever. Your throne from one generation to generation. Why do you forget us forever and forsake us for so long a time? Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Renew our days of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and we and are very angry with us. God has not forgotten us, beloved. He loves us. It is the Lord who selects our value, not anything we believe or think. We don't select our value. God doesn't figure out how much we're going to make, and God doesn't judge like that. He's, he understands what he made you for. And have you come to that place, and God will help you come to that place. I can say today the Lord is helping me move very carefully in his direction. We should all be moving in the direction of the Lord. And I pray, Father, today that we would all get our hearts right with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to.
Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And as I mentioned off the top, I wanted to give a little bit of an introduction to the book of Lamentations, which we're in right now. And I'm going to be reading from our Quick Study Bible. So if you have a copy, go ahead and grab it. I'm reading from page uh, 1033. And this, of course, was written by my grandfather. And he writes this, Music always conveys a message. Jeremiah's funeral song of Lamentations is no exception. In many Jewish services, this book is still sung as a memorial to the many troubles the Jews have known. Written as an acrostic poem to be readily remembered, chapters 1, 2, 4, and 5 each have 22 verses. There are also 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and each of the verses in these chapters begins with a letter from that alphabet. Chapter 3 has 66 verses with three consecutive verses, starting with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Chapter 5 also has 22 verses, but it is not in alphabetical order. Of course, these mechanics are lost in our English translation. Six sobering lessons are taught in Lamentations. The first is, if individuals and nations sin, punishment will come. Second, it is foolish to assume that because punishment is deferred, the sin is forgotten or ignored. Number three, although it may be pleasant to listen to false prophets of optimism, the stark truth is sin has a payday. Four, the sinner suffering for his sins harps on the injustice of God, trying to ease his own conscience. Five, true remorse springs from understanding how serious our sins are. And number six, there is restoration for each captivity. God will forgive if we but ask him. Lamentations carries a powerful message to modern man. God's principles of justice have never changed, and it is still true that we reap what we sow. However, there is also a glorious truth. God's for God forgives those who turn to him in true repentance. Superficial repentance avails nothing. But the man who is really, truly sorry for his sin finds peace and happiness in Christ. You know, it's interesting because my father, when he wrote that, he mentioned a couple of things. One of the things he mentioned was that sin has a payday. Mm. And we often ask the Lord to forgive us of our sin as Christians. And then we say, well, we're forgiven, we're forgiven, we're forgiven. But we need to hear the sin cost. And Jesus Christ paid for that sin on the cross. Yes. We don't need to just gloss over that. We need to pay attention to the cost yeah. because that's salvation. Yeah. You know, in Isaiah 24, everything God does, he tells us, it says, behold, the earth makes the earth or the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste, disorders, distorts rather its surface and scatters abroad its inhabitants. And it shall be as with people, with the priest, with the servant, with the master, with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, with the seller, with the lender, the borrower, the creditor and the debitor, the land shall be entirely emptied and utterly plundered for the Lord has spoken this word. Hmm. Now, you know, at the end of this particular passage, he, he talks about this, but he says, on Mount Zion in Jerusalem and before his elders gloriously for the Lord of hosts will reign. And I think we need to remember that there is a time coming when everything we've done in our lives and everything we do will be judged and will be approached that way. So I would advise, as I took myself, Lord, forgive me for my sin and help me to follow you. That's what I would advise. And uh, that's why we say that on this program, because we believe in the word of God. Very important. Yeah. All right. Very good. Corey. 
All right, so because we are reading through the book of Lamentations, I wanted to take this opportunity to take a look at ancient mourning rituals. Uh, you know, there are a lot of mourning rituals. You can look at different cultures. You can look at your own culture and the way even individual families and people process loss and grief and mourning. But I want to focus in on what the Bible talks about, uh, the, you know, the ancient Hebrew culture specifically and how they expressed their deep grief and tragedy. Uh, take a look. The Bible is very consistent in its portrayal of ancient Israelite mourning. People grieving the loss of loved ones, tragedy in the community, offenses against God, devastating warfare and the like are described as putting on sackcloth, tearing their clothes, taking off shoes, sitting on dust and ashes, putting dust and ashes on their heads, cutting or shaving their hair, and fasting. These actions could be done all together, individually, or in any combination, and likely went along with wailing and appropriate grieving songs and laments. There has been quite a bit of research that has gone on in trying to understand the significance of these mourning rituals, and even in attempting to track where they came from. It's been noted that all these practices involve humiliation of the mourners and in some way connect them to their own mortality, in a sense, becoming like the dead themselves, naked, returning to dust, not eating, and generally losing the physical markers of living people, like growing hair. As it is often said, there's no better time than a funeral to contemplate one's own mortality. In this sense, these mourning rituals would be grieving the specific loss of a loved one's life while broadly bemoaning the overall human condition of mortality before God. There has also been a noted progression of practice when it comes to sackcloth. In the early passages of the Bible, clothes are torn and removed, and then sackcloth is worn. In later tradition, sackcloth is worn in addition to torn garments. Sackcloth was a rough garment in the style of a loincloth. This dress, paired with going barefoot, has been seen as an association with the dead by some, as noted above, and by others, it's seen as removing a layer of civilization, as going back to how life would be without all of the systems that man has in place. In this case, it would be a way of remembering who we are, and that in the end, we're still mortal, even in the midst of our societal greatness. As Adam and Eve had to leave the garden just clothed and without shoes, so humanity is. Death is a great equalizer. There are also a few theories about putting dust and ashes on one's head during mourning. An older theory cites an ancient practice of burial in which a mound of dirt was put over the grave. This theory posits that mourners carried baskets of dirt to the gravesite on their heads to build the mound, leaving them with dirty hair and clothing, a sign to all that they had been involved in a funeral. This practice could then have been remembered by the act of putting dust and ashes on the head. Another theory comes from archaeologists excavating Beersheba. They discovered that the dirt of the city's streets was mixed with ashes. This process recycled household ash and had the benefit of increased durability. So when mourners are described as sitting on dust and ashes, these archaeologists put forward that they were sitting on public streets, conducting their mourning for all to see. You know, one of the most amazing things about studying other cultures and, and the ancient culture of, of the Hebrews in the Bible is that we get to see 
the different expressions of human nature, because we all have, you know, across culture, across time, all humans have the same nature. We have similar struggles. Uh, we have the same struggles when it comes to survival, but depending on our culture, it insulates us in different ways to, you know, against and from certain things. But we all experience grief. We all experience loss. And so I think it's, it's really interesting to, to take a step away from ourselves for a moment and take a look at these ancient morning rituals because you know when when we sit with it when we really try to understand it it really makes a human connection between us and the people that the bible is telling us about who are going through these these really difficult times uh, you know, because they are human just like us and they are expressing their grief in different ways uh, but in interesting ways yeah very good Corey. that is interesting um when we look at human nature and the way we react to God, uh, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we reacting because we're that way or are we reacting correctly? And uh, that's a really good question. Uh, Janice? Well, and, and further to your point, Corey, a lot of times when we read through the Bible, we, we can read it tending to be very judgmental, mm-hmm. forgetting that these are real people mm-hmm. with real emotions and and if we could ever put ourselves in their place, we don't really know how we would respond. Mm-hmm. And you know, our lives are not written in these pages for you to read about me mm-hmm. or for me to read about Rod. And I think it's it's important for us that as we're going through the Bible to remember that, that these yeah. are real people. Yep. And real situations. Definitely. And, and I mean, when you're reading through Lamentations, of course, like this is this is a terrible, terrible tragedy that has happened. I and mean, you read about the different things that, you know, the people had to go through during the besiegement of Jerusalem. And and absolutely, this was judgment for their sin, but there is a reason that they got here. And, you know, we we read about that all through Jeremiah. And even in Lamentations, there's allusions to why this is happening and why this is going on. And that is something that is tremendously uncomfortable for us, I think, as people to sit with, that there are consequences for our actions. And that this, like, when, when we're reading through the Bible, it's not just this happened to people long ago and, and here it is and, and and we can just, we shouldn't just keep ourselves separate from it. Mm-hmm. There, there are great moral lessons and values that we can learn from the scripture and from sitting with it and being uncomfortable with it and realizing that, you know, like, like you were saying, just as these people fell and, and thought they were justified, mm-hmm. thought they were following God all the while they weren't. So we could find ourselves in a situation like this as well. So it's good to sit with and, and good to ask ourselves those uncomfortable questions and ask of God those uncomfortable questions. God, like, show me where I'm going wrong. Like, help me to understand your word. Help me to follow you better. Help me to be a true disciple of Christ. All of those things. And that's exactly what God wants from us. Mm -hmm. He wants that relationship with us. Mm -hmm. It's not just a, here's my set of rules. Right. You need to follow them. It's a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's learning and growing because he does want what's best. And we need to want what he wants for us. And, and, and that's really where I was going today with my segment um, titled Come Back Home. Because you may be out there and one at one point in time, maybe it was when you were a child and your parents even dropped you off at Sunday school. I know one of the churches that I went to as a young girl, we had a, a bus program. 
And, uh, you know, the, the bus drivers went and picked up kids from all over the community and brought them to church while their parents had a morning off. And, and, and so many of them are still in churches today. And some of them have fallen away. And maybe you're one of them. Uh, maybe you were taken to Sunday school as a little one. And it's time to come back home again. Maybe you have just turned to this program for the very first time and you're hearing us talk about things that are interesting to you, but you don't really understand what we're talking about. And what we're talking about here is reading the Bible. Yeah, there are people that still are out there that read the Bible. We're a family that our lives as a family have been dramatically changed by reading the Bible and each of us personally. And we have grown in it so much so that we have given our lives to bring the Word of God to people, to help people to get through it. Now, we don't get it right all the time. Uh, you know, there are many questions that we're still learning. This is the 32nd year that this program uh, has been on the air going through the Bible, and every year we are learning new things. This book is not a normal book. It is a spiritual book. It, it's called The Living Word because it really is living and active. And um, when, you know, further to what Corey and I were talking about here, I, I want to bring it into this last chapter of Lamentations, the last writing of Jeremiah, who, as Corey said, this is, these are awful things that happen to these people. And yet Jeremiah knows that God knows everything, that God sees everything and that God is a merciful and just God. And he ends Lamentations with a prayer for restoration. And I think that's so amazing after everything that has gone on. And this one line of verse 21 that Jeremiah says, Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Do you hear that? Even after everything, Jeremiah knows about the faithfulness of God. One of my favorite passages is Lamentations chapter 3, beginning with verse 22 to verse 26. Go there. I, I, I tell you, it's one of my favorite passages. But listen to that line again. Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. That's what God has done for me. God has done that for many of you that are watching. God has done that for our family. When we acknowledge where we are, when we acknowledge to God what we've done, now keep in mind he already knows that, but it's that confession. It's that confession that comes out of us. When we acknowledge where we are, when we acknowledge what we've done, and that we want to return to the Lord or come to him for the very first time, he is there and he is merciful and he is just to forgive us of our sins. And it's through Jesus Christ that that happens. So, Rod, that is just what I wanted to say today. Excellent. The heart of Jeremiah. Yeah, we're learning a lot as we go through this, and Jeremiah has taught us much. But one of the things that we need to remember is Jesus Christ, the Lord God, Yeshua HaMashiach, is as close as the mention of his name, Yeshua or Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus today and know him.